0: Hello and welcome to the Scattered Abroad Joint Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Rutherford. I have sitting to my right, Michael Clark, host of the Far Better Podcast. To his right, Drew Settles, host of the Weathering the Storm Podcast. And to my left, Lima Essene, host of the Ohana Podcast. And we're grateful that you are with us and that you've been with us all the way through season number two. It's crazy to me that season number two has come to an end. We are on episode number 12, but we're grateful for everything that we've been able to do this year. Time flies when you're having fun, at least that's what they say. And it's crazy to think we're already at the end of the year, but we've got got lots of things planned for next year. We'll get into some of that maybe at the end of this particular episode. But if you're listening to this episode, and this is the first time we're thankful that you've joined us, we would encourage you to go back to listen to some of our older episodes if that is something that interests you. But if not, we're thankful that you're here with us today. Just as always, as we say before every episode, if you would go to our show notes below that has all of our social media platform links. And also, if you would give us a rating or review on whatever podcast platform it is that you use. Also, if you would go to our website, scattered abroad.org and sign up for our email list and there you can receive all kinds of information. A monthly newsletter will be sent right to your inbox about things about the network that maybe you would not otherwise know about if you were not signed up for that. So if you would please go do that and that certainly would be beneficial to you. You know that if you've been with us throughout this entire season we've been talking about this theme of scattering the seed and we've been placing a great deal of emphasis on this idea of evangelism and spreading the word of God, spreading the borders of the kingdom, and we're excited that we get to end this season talking about the greatest person that has ever lived a life on this earth, that being Jesus Christ himself. And so I want to open up the floor for discussion with our guys here today. We we know that Jesus Christ is our greatest example. We see that all throughout scripture, all throughout the New Testament, How do we see people like he did? Because obviously he sees people in a very different way than our world sees people. And maybe even from the way that we as Christians sometimes see people. So how do we see people like Jesus Christ did?
1: Jesus saw souls. Absolutely. And I think today sometimes we look on the outside and we stop right there. And the word prejudice means to prejudge. And if we're not careful, we'll prejudge someone just by what we see on on the outside. We find in the Old Testament, you know, God uh, sees what's on the inside. He sees the heart of man. Jesus was able to do that, too. Jesus could see souls. So, no, I can't see inside. I can't see the heart. But I need to look at someone and say, you know what? They have a soul that's worth more than the whole world. And Jesus died for them. That's how he looked at people.
2: (coughs) Absolutely. Well, and you, you take that and you look at the examples of that. And one of the best ones we mentioned in an earlier episode this season, but it's John 8. When the people brought an adulteress to him, mm. Jesus simply saw a woman who needed to go and sin no more. Right? He he said nothing to her about what he could have said. The law said that she was to be put to death, save, save alone the fact that, you know, of course, the man should have been put to death too, and what was Jesus writing on the ground? None of that matters, you know. Mm. It, it, that's not what we needed to know because we would have been given that according to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We're given everything we need to understand salvation, and when Jesus is given this opportunity to look at a woman that was caught in adultery and simply say, your your fate is in my hands, and I have all of the control to say that you're done. He said, go and sin no more. You know, he, he didn't even say to her, you know, the mindset of, you know what you did was wrong. Right. He just said, go and sin no more. <coughs> and the woman at the well, when he is met with this woman, and he, he she says, uh, I haven't had, you know, I don't have a husband. He said, you know, you're right. You've got mm-hmm. five husbands, and the one you got now is not even your husband. Right. Mm-hmm. And he, he basically gives this idea of, seeing a soul. Hey, if you really want to drink from this water, I'll give you water that you'll never thirst again. And right. she goes, well, where's this well at? You know, and Jesus is thinking, "You know, it's it's too physical. You're, you need to think spiritual. Right. And mm-hmm. that's what you're talking about, Drew, is that Jesus seeing souls. You know, a lot of the world right now is focused on the physical. We're worried about the pandemic. We're worried about what's happening in our country. We're worried about what's happening all around us. We're worried, we're worried, we're worried. And yet we forget the importance of looking on, the spiritual, and looking past the fact that if the pandemic kills me tomorrow, who cares? If I have been saved by Jesus Christ, that shouldn't bother me. right? And that's what Jesus is trying to implore people to realize is if you don't have this right, Nothing else matters.
0: We have to understand that you and I are no more valuable than the person sitting next to us. We all have the same worth and the same value. And we understand passages like John chapter 3 and verse 16. Just about everybody in the world knows that passage (laughs) for God so loved who? Just our friends? Just Mm -hmm. the people we kept? No, the world. Everybody Um, that he gave his only begotten son. And so I think a lot of times, I mean, it's easy for us to look at our friends and our family um in the way that we're supposed to uh but when it comes to yeah, you know, like we're our enemies like we've talked about already once and then just everybody in general it, it sometimes it's harder to look at them that way but we've got to understand jesus died for them and like you drew you talked about their soul is so valuable and it's not any more valuable than yours is i
3: like what, what matthew wrote matthew 9 verse 36 when he saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion for mm-hmm. them we won't see souls if we don't have the compassion that he had. Right, and so yeah, we gotta have, we gotta care, um, we gotta want to help people, uh, not only in the physical sense when when they need it, but more more importantly, uh, to obey the gospel in the right. spiritual sense. Yeah, we've we've got to have that desire, like you said, the want
0: um, to look at people, and we have to want them to have that same reward. Um, for you, for that—that's there for you and for me as well. That's promised us in scripture. I think a lot of times, sometimes we we forget that.
2: And at the risk of beating a dead horse, you know, we we talked about enemies this season, about opposition this season. But again, it seeing souls means that I look past the superficial, Mm -hmm. petty, nonsense stuff. Right. You know, it it doesn't need to matter to me that this person at one time. I mean, you, you know, Paul is someone that we didn't really necessarily touch on as an enemy in our episode when we did that, but Paul was an enemy of Christ. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, he became an enemy of many of the Christians because when Paul became a Christian and he started to try to go to these assemblies, they said, we don't want anything to do with you. Get out of it. No, we know what you're trying to do. They even had the idea that we see so much in Hollywood. He's a double agent. Mm -hmm. You know, He's coming in here to to get in good with us, and then when he's got us at our worst, he can take us for all we can. And then they said, no, we don't want him. And if it hadn't been for Barnabas... Mm -hmm. Seeing the soul like Jesus did with Paul, then who knows what would have happened to Paul? Who knows the influence that he would have been lacking? Right. And so when we look at souls, it has to be Drew mentioned this. I can't know your heart. Man, I really wish. When I got sick, I have an illness that when it manifests itself, you can't see it. There's no physical look of it at all. It just it's an attack that's internal. And my wife, when I first got sick, you know, there were some times where she was like, are you really not feeling well right now, or you just not want to do something? And I said, I wish I had a red light that would go off every time I had an attack Mm -hmm. so that I could show people that. I also wish that I could look at everyone's heart and know exactly their motive, what they think, what they think (coughs) about me, whether they're a true friend or not. And I'm sure other people feel that way about me and others because that's a huge part of the world is how many times have we heard about someone being betrayed by an individual that we thought was so trustworthy. How many times have you and I opened up Facebook and we see that a, a good you know, Christian couple in Christ is no longer <clears throat> together because of adultery, because of infidelity, because of whatever, and we we kind of look at it and go, I would have never pegged that person to do that. Yeah. I would have never thought that this would have happened, and yet it did. And because we don't know the heart, the only thing we can do is believe the best first. I had a deacon ask me one time, how do we know this person's marriage is legitimate? I said, we, we can't. All we can know is what they're telling us. And I said, if we go to the judgment day and that person lied to us, we won't be held accountable for that lie Right. if we couldn't know anything. But there have also been times where some investigation needed to be done where we could easily discover the facts, figure things out, and if that doesn't happen, then that is on us. But seeing souls as Jesus saw them means that I have to take people for what I can see, for what I do know, and hope and pray that they're doing what's best, but also... If I see someone that's rough around the edges, that's whatever, that I give them the opportunity that was given to me. That's right. mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think <clears throat> as ministers, but really truthfully as Christians, we have to be individuals who give people the benefit of the doubt. Right. Um, yeah. We have to because that's how we would want people to treat us. Again, we've mentioned it several times, but going back to the golden rule, Matthew seven twelve. you want to be treated that way, then you treat other people that way. But also here's an interesting thought I was thinking about, you know, <clears throat> We talk about how we have to view people. Uh, We don't know what's in their hearts. Um, So we have to treat them the right way. But it's interesting. You go to Matthew 15, and you think, look at Jesus. Jesus saw the hearts of men. He saw the hearts of the Pharisees. He understood um, that they were trying to trick him, trying to entrap him, and yet what did he do? He still died for who? Even for the Pharisees and scribes. He knew exactly where their hearts were. He knew exactly where their minds and attitudes were. He knew exactly what they were trying to do to him. And yet, what did he still do? He still showed them the love and compassion that he, that that he had. Um, and so, what a lesson for us today! We can't see the hearts of men, just like Jesus could. And yet, even when Jesus could see the hearts of men, what did he do? He still saw them as someone that he was going to die for. And so, I think really, what an example for us! We can't see the hearts of men, yet we still got to treat them the right way.
1: That's yes, right. Well, well, I think going going back to just some passages of the New Testament that further <coughs> emphasize that Hebrews two nine. He by the grace of God tasted death for every man. Right, mm-hmm. First John two one and two, he's the you know the appeasing sacrifice for our sins, not for ours only, but the sin of the whole world. Right, the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. When we think about what Jesus did, and how selfless he was and sacrificial. If we're going to be like our Lord and scatter the seed, that's got to be our mentality. You mentioned compassion; that's how he saw people. Right, we, we've got to get to that point, or. What's the motivation to really reach them with the gospel?
2: Right. Well, Right. I want to mention that about <clears throat> the compassion because something has been missed by a lot of you know Christians over the years. In Matthew 14, when Jesus looks upon the people and is moved with compassion and he heals their infirmities, it begins to get dark outside. Mm-hmm. And the disciples come up to Jesus and they say, we should tell people to go away so they can find something to eat, verse mm-hmm. 15. And I always used to just overlook this verse and never stop and think about it. But Jesus said in verse 16, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Mm. Now, let's let's stop and just unpack that for just a quick second. Did Jesus forget that he was about to make the, the bread and the fish multiply? Did Jesus not realize that he was about to do that? Mm. Why did he say it as if the disciples had to do it? Well, Jesus came to seek and save the lost, but he also came to impart that same message to his people. Right. And Jesus cared for the people to the point that he said, I'm not always going to be here So you have to do it too. And if you're unwilling, if my first reaction when someone comes in that's a visitor is, you know, we're going out to eat today and we could have another person. I really don't want to take a visitor to eat today. Then I'm not seeing souls like Jesus saw. If I don't look at that person and go, it's my responsibility to give them something to eat when their house has burned down, when this has happened, when that, then I'm missing Matthew 25 where it's naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. All of these things happen. And they said, when did we ever see you like that, Lord? And he goes, When you did it to the least of these, you did it as if it was to me. And he says, you didn't visit me in prison. You didn't do all these things. Well, when did we ever see you like that? You didn't do it to the people, and therefore you didn't do it to me. And there's a song that is, it's a very, you know, inaccurate depiction of what this passage teaches. But the mindset of it is, what if God were one of us? And Mm -hmm. the, the song talks about would we treat everyone that we see in the world the same if we knew that God was th- was that person, mm-hmm. if we knew that they were the son of God or God himself. And it's that James chapter 2, that partiality. Yeah. We see someone come in and they look great, you know, or the mayor's coming in. We got to find a great place for the mayor to <clears> sit. <throat> he can sit in the back. I don't care where he sits. Right. If I don't treat that person like I should treat Christ, then I'm not worthy to be called a Christian and I'm not seeing souls That's right. like I'm supposed to.
3: And, and you hit on a point there in James chapter 2. We sometimes let the... Uh, stereotypes of the world or the different things in the world to filter the way we look at people, you know, a rich man comes in, how would you tell a rich man from a poor man? Look at his watch, look at his, you know, so on and so forth. And and yeah, we have to see beyond that. I
0: think we do that too. Even within the church, we look at these quote unquote big name brethren, you know, these, these big name speakers and we're like, Oh, we want to be friends with them. We want to eat with them. But this, 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 you know, Mm-hmm. Average Joe Christian who walks in and comes in week by week and does what he's supposed to, we don't have to worry about him, you know. But again, we go back to this idea of who did Jesus die for? Everyone. Yeah. Uh, and every single person has the exact same value, regardless of what your name is and what you've done. Um, yeah. You can still
2: both be extremely valuable in the kingdom of God. And you know, you could say, What was it like to have that man as a father? You know, what was it like? And the easy answer would be, What's it like to have a Christian father? Yeah. You know, if you have a Christian father, then you know what it's like to have that big-name preacher as your father, a big-name preacher. It's the same thing. Right. And you're, you're exactly right, Caleb. One of the greatest, you know, tragedies of the church in the last 40, 50 years has been our unnecessary, you know, raising of the pedestal yeah. for men that are not important because they're not Christ. They're just preaching his message. Right. The only thing that's special about any of us is that we are of God. And even our own creation is not original. We are an imitation of, of the Lord. He made us in his image. So nothing about me is an original thing. It all comes from God, and therefore I am not special. Right. Just like you said, no one at this table, no one on the network, no one at the, you know, the world or whatever <clears> is <throat> any more valuable than the person that's next to them. That's how Jesus saw it, and that's the Son of God who created the world, Genesis 1, John 1. Right. He created everything that's around him. And he still says, I'll die for you. Right,
0: right. Uh, it, it's powerful isn't it? to think about, like you said, God, the creator. Um, and, and even Jesus, when coming to this earth to become what he created, um, to stoop that low, because, I mean, truthfully, I mean, that's that's what we are. We're just mere specks um, in comparison to him. And yet he came to this earth to become one of us and then to, to die, to take our sins for us. It's it's, it's hard to think about. Uh, it really is. Um, but did you have something oh, else? yeah.
3: Um, Jesus said, you have heard it was said, you know, Hate your enemies. Right. Jesus said, Love your enemies. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. Right. So yeah. Change, change the mm-hmm. narrative. You know. Absolutely.
0: Change change the way people think. And I, I guess we've we've pretty much alluded to this in I guess kind of all of our all of our answers. But let's talk about this specifically just for a couple of minutes about his love and compassion, but specifically in his teachings. Talk about that for just a minute. I'd
1: love to read something, if that's all right with you all yeah. from, from Mark chapter ten. No. Uh, Beginning in verse 17, when Jesus (laughs) counsels a rich young ruler, I don't know if you've heard this before, but some commentators suggest that this was perhaps Barnabas and that later on Mm. he would go back to some of this teaching and it would resonate with him. And then you see him in the book of Acts and and laying everything at the apostles' feet. And again, we don't know that for sure, but but every time I read this, I think about what if that was Barnabas? What if this was somebody who had all these great possessions and then look at the change that happened. So Mark 10, beginning in verse 17, it says, Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So he knows something about eternity. He he recognizes Jesus as the good teacher. Look what Jesus said to him. Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. Do you understand that you're talking to me? I'm God in the flesh? Right. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. He answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And I always try to stop right there. He looked at him, he loved him, and then he said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, you will have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross and follow me. And it says that he was sad at this word. He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You see Jesus, you see his love and his compassion. Maybe this individual didn't know it at that time, but Jesus knew what was best for him. Mm -hmm. And you see it in his teaching, his love and compassion. All that's brought out in that one text. Again, we don't know if this was, you know, Barnabas, but perhaps this rich young ruler was, that teaching right there stayed with him. Who knows what happened from that? And who knows what can happen with us if we will scatter the seed the way that Jesus did, and, and who knows what kind of increase God will
0: give. It's interesting. When you look at this passage, though, look at the order of how this happens. And mm-hmm. Jesus, looking at him, before he rebuked him, right. loved him. Exactly. You have to have that love and that compassion for someone in order for any kind of teaching to be effective. Again, we've said it, I feel like we say it every episode, but Ephesians <laughs> 4.15, yeah, you've got sure. to preach the truth in love. If you don't have that attitude, then it won't. it won't do anybody any good.
1: Yeah, and it was, a, it was a hard truth. Right. Yeah. you got to sell everything. Your, your heart's not right. right I can man. see it, Jesus says. Yeah. But it was truth that he needed to hear. Sure. But look how loving he, he was when he approached him with that. Absolutely. When,
2: and there's, unfortunately, we think about this mindset of one thing you lack. Mm. I've, I've seen so many singing competitions where they're like, you know, if you would go and get some lessons and come back, mm. the one thing you're not really doing well is, is this, and they'll tell them. And, I, I like to sometimes just type into YouTube some singing show and then I put the word fails at the end of it <laughs> and then I just kind of go down the rabbit hole and watch as many of these people are like they become indignant. No, I know I'm a good singer. How do you know you're a good singer? My grandmama told me that. <laughs> okay, well that doesn't mean anything. And so they they've declined to take the criticism that's constructive and actually do anything with it. Mm-hmm. And I find that the same way in John chapter six, Jesus showed his you know compassion and love. When he spoke hard and necessary truths, just like he did to this rich young ruler. He gives this mindset in John chapter six, where he has all of these multitudes of people present and he speaks these difficult truths. And after hearing them, in verse 66, many of the disciples, not not many of the people that were in attendance, his disciples, people who had been following him, decided, you know what, I'm gonna turn and walk with him no more. And I, I really do love what happens next when, you know, Jesus looks at the twelve. And says, will you also leave me? Mm -hmm. you also going away, Mm -hmm. verse 67. And Peter says, whom will we go? (laughs) Where are we going? You have the words of eternal life, and we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Mm -hmm. So when you look at the multitude of the people that left, all of these disciples, that they walked with him no more. It doesn't say they left for a season. It's they walked no more. Mm -hmm. According to what we read here, this was the last time that they would ever be considered to be a follower of Christ because Mm -hmm. when they turned and walked away, that was it. Right. Yet the 12 said, because of what you just said Mm. and everything else we've seen, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ. And so when I love someone and I have compassion for them, sometimes it requires a necessary hard truth. And I... I was very privileged in local work. Anytime the elders asked for a difficult sermon to be preached, I was smart enough to say, well, you get up after the sermon Mm, and endorse it. Right. And just let the congregation know, this is from y'all. You wanted this preached. Because that will help me know that I don't have to be in it alone if we make a lot of people upset by what the truth says. Mm. But when people left at times, I never worried about it. Not because I wasn't worried about them, but because I, I spoke the truth. Right. And I knew that the people that had stayed, it instilled faith in them by what the message was, that this is what we need to do and we need to keep going. And Jesus focuses on the 12 and says, are you also going to leave me? And they said, we're not going anywhere. Right. And that that's hard. Right. And in our, in our world, it's becoming more and more difficult to preach the truth because people don't want to hear it, yeah. even more so than they did in the time that this was written. You bring up a Bible now, and that is... Game over. No more study. No more discussion. You're a bigot. You're hateful. I don't want to talk to you anymore. And yet the point of it all is you're not catching everybody. You're not getting everybody. You know, we've talked about it all year. You have to scatter the seed as many soils as possible. Understanding that there is going to be plenty of people that will break our heart with the way yeah. that they treat it.
0: I think that's an example too of for us as Bible students when we come across hard teachings and things that are going to be difficult to add into our lives or take out of our lives, mm-hmm. we got to be like the apostles and mm-hmm. they understood that Jesus spoke the truth even when it was hard and difficult, um, but they were still willing to apply it to their lives and to allow their faith to guide them. And I think that's a lesson there um, for us as well.
3: I, I want to add. Matthew 23 there mm. uh, because often we when we look at the Pharisees and the scribes uh, some people view them as oh the Jesus really did not like these folks right. he loved them yeah. Yeah. and he called it as it is he called them hypocrites not not only just to point out what they were but in hopes that they would turn right. Right. you know that they will come and and Jesus said that in, in verse 37 Matthew 23 O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. And Jesus said, I'm offering for you to come, right? Yeah. Regardless of what they did, he's saying, Come. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. To see, okay. your house is left to you desolate. I don't think he said that, uh, you know, your house is left to you desolate. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. he he cried for you yeah, right. he, he poured out his heart for them and and he wanted them to turn so that he would f- forgive them right. and would save them
0: right that's a great thought as we go into our last question um really for this season too what a what better way to to kind of cap off our entire season uh than with this question of how do we become more and more like Jesus every single day. How how do we achieve something like that?
3: You can't you can't um, distance yourself from from sinners in the world. You have to be with them, it, like Jesus said in Luke fifteen verse one and verse two. He ate with the sinners. Those are the people he came to save, right? He yeah. he came to save sinners, not the the righteous. He came for the sick, mm-hmm. not the healthy.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, and and we can't distance ourselves from from those who really need. The gospel, because sometimes we look at, for example, um, you look at the LGBTQ uh, community. I've been guilty of looking at them in a certain way. You mm. know, oh, you know, they're never going to change. They're never, right. and and I haven't even given them a chance. I mm. already wrote them out. You know, yeah. they're not going to yeah. obey the gospel. Um, but that has to stop. I I have to be comfortable to talk to someone who who is in that type of sin or whatever type of sin they're in, we have to be comfortable to put ourselves in a situation with them to reach them with the gospel. Absolutely. And I think Lima
1: brings out First Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. You know, yeah. Such
3: were some of you,
1: mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you were washed, saved, and justified. And Amen. we have to remember that such were some of us. Ephesians Absolutely. 2, 1, you were dead in trespasses and sins, right. but the grace and mercy and love of God through Christ, by by grace you have been saved. We got to remember that too, and,
0: and that's what should fuel us.
1: That's what should exactly. Right? And that was kind of my thought was, our mindset and our motivation needs to be the same that Jesus had. That's Philippians two five. Mm-hmm. Let this mind be in you which mm-hmm. was in Christ. What was His motivation? Glorify my Father. Right. right. If that's not our motive, then we got to check ourselves. Mm-hmm. I need to have the mind of Christ and the motivation of Christ to always do my very best to please the Father. Absolutely.
2: Well, when we think about this, Drew Drew and I were privileged to be in Brother Don Walker's class on the Book of Matthew, and he talked about how Jesus would turn the thermostat up. You know, he he would make a statement. He said, "Now he's he's turning the heat up." You know, and he would say that, and I would think, "What does he mean by that?" And then it hit me: Jesus did things that accelerated his death; Mm. they made it come quicker. And one of those is, of course, shown in John chapter 2, where he's like, my hour's not yet come. And Mary said, but would you do this, please, basically? And he goes, okay. And he he performs his first miracle, and he turns the thermostat up because now he's putting a target on his back. And as I try to be more and more like Jesus every day, I have to, as we've talked about throughout this whole year, I have to imitate him. And so Mm -hmm. one of the things that I think is very important is to share and share and share. Now, I wrote a manuscript last year, in the beginning of March on evangelism. And my topic was getting a foot in the door. Mm-hmm. And so I typed it, I hit the last period, I sent it off and the pandemic happened. Wow. And so what I had written was this mindset of, we have more at our disposal than the people did 50 years ago. And yet some places are seemingly scared to utilize these tools. I can understand the daunting task that it is to learn technology. And it's not an easy task for everyone to learn how to stream the services or even post to social media on a regular basis. Little did I know that in just a few short months, everybody was going to become a YouTuber. Yeah. Everybody was going to become a blogger and all of this other stuff and have to learn how to do it. But the one benefit that pandemic brought to the church was that all of us got serious about our equipment and our outreach from a Internet right. perspective because— True all of the sermons, all of the things, they that went scattered abroad, those who are scattered abroad, went everywhere preaching the word. And every Sunday for how many years there have been countless congregations that could have had live streams mm. that just didn't. And now they do. Right. And you think about that. If Jesus was alive today, don't you think he'd be on this panel? And Or actually, you know what it would be? He'd be speaking, and we'd, and we'd all just listening. listening. Absolutely. Yep. And it would feet. just be the right. greatest thing ever. Yeah. But you don't think Jesus would have a podcast or Paul or Peter or the other apostles? They that would they, use it.
0: What's their disposal? Right. Use and so, that's, so totally. that's
2: our responsibility. If I want to be more like Jesus, I have to understand this. But I started to teach, as I really understood this about confession more in the last year, confession is not just an admittance of Jesus as Lord and Savior. It is an admittance that I belong to him and that I'm putting a target on my back. Mm. And when I admit that Jesus Christ is the son of God, I am telling the devil, come get me. I am telling him I am fair game now. You come after me because I'm no longer living for you. I'm in direct opposition of you. And he turns the thermostat up in my own way. I turned it up, and he's now coming after me. He wants nothing more in that moment than to get me to stumble, to get one more person to fall away. If I want to be more and more like Jesus, I have to realize that I belong to him. It's not my own life. It's his. And how he would live it is how I should live
0: it. Absolutely, 1,000%. What what an awesome uh, topic this has been for this particular discussion. I thank uh, all, all of these brothers for being on the podcast, this specific one. I thank everyone who has played a part in the joint podcast and made it the success that it is. Thank you so much for listening to this particular podcast. And if you listen to any of the others on the network, we're thankful for that. We're so appreciative of where we are at um, in this network. We're thankful for uh, what we've been able to do this year. Obviously, all to the glory of God without him, nothing that we do would be possible we're thankful uh once again but we're excited for next year for 2023 20, uh, uh make sure i get my my years right yes. 2023 <laughs> we're thankful that we finally uh, get to say that um but uh we're just excited for everything that's coming forward um just as we always say just as a reminder check our show notes below um, for all of the information all the links concerning our network our theme for next year will i guess go ahead and showcase it for uh 2023 Our theme for 2023 is Behold Our God. We're so grateful um, that we have a great God in heaven. and What a study it will be next year. We hope that you join us um, in 2023 for all of those episodes. But if, if you're here for the first time, we're so grateful for that. We hope that you continue with us in this journey. We're thankful for where we're at. And as always, on behalf of everyone here at the Scattered Abroad Network, thank you so much and may God bless.